0: The cyclone fanatic podcast is fueled by Cody road and recorded in the wild Rose casino and hotel studio. Welcome to the cyclone fanatic podcast network powered by Cody road. Uh, this is the first inaugural official episode of kicking it with Jeff Woody and Grant Mahoney. Welcome to the studio, Grant. Man, I'm happy to be here. I think uh, we dragged you off the street like a, sort of like a, like a cat that got hit by a car and sort of like limped a, around and we're like, he's cute, a little damaged, but he's cute. So might welcome. Work. We might work. Yeah. So as always, rough on the edge. <laughs> well, as always, the uh, Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network is powered by Cody Road. We are in the Wild Rose Casino and Resorts Studios, kind of furnished by Nebraska Furnished Mart. This is your first time in the studio, yeah, which nice. for those of you that are watching, as opposed to just listening, you guys get the full experience of actually looking at it. For those of you that are listening, just imagine a cool place, whatever that cool place is for you. I don't know what it looks like for you, something cool. Anyway, uh, today on the show, we're gonna bring in, uh, we're, we're, we're gonna start with a little bit of Iowa State kicking stuff, because it's kicking it with Grant Mahoney. For those that don't know, Grant Mahoney was a kicker from 2008 to 2011, uh, and made lots of long kicks, kicked off for a whole bunch of times. Uh, And so we'd have actually some idea on why Iowa State sucks at kicking all of a sudden. And we'll go from there into realignment stuff. So hopefully this is the last episode you're going to have to hear at least us talk about something that is not actually football related too much because we're coming in in the season. So we're like, for those of us that have worked at least a little bit in podcasting and stuff, this is we're coming out of the dark times because they report to camp in a little bit. So. Without further ado, uh, also thank you to Kelderman Kelderman Manufacturing for being the primary sponsor here for kicking it without having any idea what the show is going to be. So that's some serious balls to sign up for this (laughs) with no idea what's going on. Uh, Okay. Getting into kicking because I think Chris and Brent talked about it a couple times on like the football preview show, but they didn't really do it justice because it's Chris and Brent talking about kicking. Um, Why do we suck, Grant?
1: Well, (laughs) I'm just putting it bluntly. Uh, well, I'm gonna defend I'm gonna defend Jace Gilbert here. So he was a true freshman last year, right and Prior to coming out of state. He was his high school teams kicker punter and quarterback So he did it all last year was his first year only focusing on kicking and his stats weren't that bad I mean, he was 60% but they weren't that bad if you break it down He only missed one uh, one kick at Jack Trice all of the rest of his kicks were away from Jack Trice and I think a lot of people, you know, will really rag on him because the games were so close and they came and you know, like we needed to field goal go to, to tie Texas, to, 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 tie Kansas and he didn't come through. Um, so I think that's why people, you know, look at, look at him, place a blame on him. And it's, it's easy to, it's easy, to, it's easy to, to blame the kicker cause they're out there. You got one job, go kick it. But so, you know, people forget about interceptions, fumbles, drop balls.
0: I think so the other thing that just, so you mentioned that he was quarterback punter kicker, and now this is the first year of focusing on kicking. Why is that a difference? What, what matters? And so first question is what's the actual difference? Because I would imagine you weren't just a kicker. There was other sports that you played, other activities you did when you're actually at Linmar. Uh, why is that different now? And then he's still going to be only a kicker going into this year. And so I think there is a natural feeling of like, all right, if Iowa state last year's kick, so inside of 30 yards is hundred percent. Great. Cool. Congratulations. Outside of 30 yards, straight up coin flip. It was hit or miss 50% from outside of 30 yards. So if last year, it was that you have basically the same kicker, holder, punter or kicker, holder, or excuse me, snapper, holder, kicker. Uh, why is it going to be, what is, what is, why can we as fans look forward to it being better this year? So one, what's the difference between when you're playing other positions and also kicking, wouldn't it be better if you just kicked?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, if, if you're just a kicker, you're able to focus more on kicking, you know, obviously. Um, but in high school, I'm not sure if, if Jace kicked off of a block, uh, or not. What I mean by block is when you snap, you've got a little, little square block. Essentially. It's like product. an inch tall, uh, in or from, yeah, uh, inch to a half inch. Um, but in college, you're kicking off the ground. And so what that, what that does when you kick is it lowers the sweet spot. And so if you're not comfortable kicking, you know, off the ground, you're gonna be hitting the ball higher up, which could cause, you know, X balls, they call it or low line drives. Um, and. Allowing him to focus just on kicking allows him, you know, one more year to work on kicking off the ground because he came in initially as a, as a preferred walk on. And then he got a scholarship, you know, just before I think in late January. So before they signed that class. So in my opinion, I think, you know, giving him a full year to focus just on kicking where he had what seven months to focus on it from his end of his high school year to when he came to Iowa State, I think it's going to allow him to focus on hitting more consistent balls and not worry about kicking or not worry about punting or being a quarterback. And just focusing on being a kicker, and now we have a special teams coach.
0: Okay, how, why does that make a difference? So there's okay. because we're not going to miss a kick
1: ever again now. <laughs> uh, I don't
0: know. <laughs> don't, try, don't write that down. Don't write that down, people. Um. So I think one other another thing that I was gonna the, about the special teams coach. This is a thing that we addressed back uh on Fart, I think, at the end of the season last year. Is It wasn't necessarily like special teams, because if you're interested in getting like an offense and defense breakdown, I already mentioned it before, like Williams and Bloom did one, essentially a full football preview, and they did a better job. I mean, not necessarily a better job. They did a good job. I think we'll probably get by the time the season starts, we'll have a better idea because you're sort of throwing darts in the dark. Uh, But they didn't really talk much about kind of the special teams stuff. Um, So there's two parts of special teams, and I think we both commit this from uh different segments of it so there's operations and there's actual the execution of the rest of the play so operations is snap hold kick or snap punt the the actual the operation of getting the ball from the line of scrimmage off of someone's foot that operation has to be like dialed in and i think the way i've described it before is like imagine if you're a golfer and you have you're just standing in the middle of you have you're in your stance you're set up and all of a sudden you pull your club back and then someone puts the ball down as right about right before you're about to go swing so it is. like that's what kicking is so the operations it would behoove them to not be good at placing the ball in the exact same spot because for those of you that golf do you understand the difference between if the ball is three inches too far forward or three inches too far back that's going to change it so the operations have to be good but at the same time if your operations are good but the execution of the play is garbage meaning as what I would do on special teams. And that's where I cut my chops. It's where I got on the actually got on the field was covering punts, covering kicks, returning kicks, returning punts. And you have to block, you have to tackle, you have to stay in your lane. You have to understand when the timing of each one of those things is. And for me last year, uh, operations were really bad. Execution was pretty bad on punt. Cover was terrible. X both X operations and execution were terrible on punt cover. The rest of it wasn't great, but operations were still bad. Why is a specialty, a specific special teams coach, what difference does that make from last year to this, not having one to having one? Because I can talk about what the the actual, the, the block punt cover tackle that. That's way different with a special teams coach because you can practice it. What's different with the, why would it be different with operations?
1: Well, I, I think having a dedicated special teams coach allows you to you know, and, and not saying that they didn't focus on special teams before because obviously they did, but now you've got a coach that is going to sit down and, and he's going to, you know, schematically look at uh, the other team, look at strengths and weaknesses of not only your team, but the other team and focus on the weaknesses. So like you, you had two true freshmen, you know, kicking and punting last year and operational wise, it, it, it's, it's so crucial at the college level because
0: everybody's fast,
1: everybody's fast. And in high school, you can sit back there, you can spin the ball, you can, you can count the, the laces, you know, you can do whatever you want.
0: Cause no one's going to get there.
1: You no. Know, and, I'm not trying to make this about myself, but when I was a freshman, I, w- I was leaned back before, before kick, I was leaned back. I was chilling. I was chilling before <laughs> a field goal, boom, would kick it. And I didn't, I don't think I had any blocks, maybe one or two. But then after that, when coach Rhodes came in, he's like, you need to like lean forward and like once a ball is snapped, like go. Because my operation time was crap. And that's what we had last year. We had a couple block kicks right off the bat. There's- I mean, Perkins would early on, he would get, get the ball, he'd spin it and he'd want to have it. No. Operations
0: time. I think it's what 1.2 seconds. I think is that when from the time the ball is snapped to the time the ball has to be off of the foot somewhere between what 1.2 and 1.4 on a field goal. And then on a punt, it's got to be 2.1 or less, I think. And that that includes that includes the ball flying. So that number I think I remember that because if you're on punt cover, uh, there is a delicate balance in actual in special teams operations. Uh, And for those of you that were expecting anything other than special teams operations for 15 minutes. Sorry. And if you were expecting it, you're welcome. But if you're on if you're on punt cover, there's a delicate balance between blocking not long enough and blocking too long because it's the o- special teams the only one where possession switches intentionally. Where on an interception or a fumble or uh, a fourth down stop, possession switches, but it's on accident. Versus a kickoff, a kick return, a punt, a punt return, or a field goal. It's always there is no retention of possession on any one of those plays. It automatically always flips, and so you have to go from being on offense to being on defense in this within the same play. And on the offensive side i need to block if on the defensive side i need to tackle at some point i need to know when i need to switch between offense and defense so if i'm blocking i'm completely blind to what the operation is so on punt i was i was the right guard for four years so right next to the center it was which was dakota zimmerman which is your bill grow, a plus man. thank you uh <laughs> you're welcome i'm punch you in the neck right now uh but on that so you have to take x number of steps and you're really kind of counting in your head sort of like when you're playing flag football when you're like seven and you're like one apple two apple three apple like you're counting the amount of steps and release time before you can actually engage block and then all of a sudden that guy who was playing defense by trying to rush the punter is now playing offense and is trying to block you from getting to his guy so he turns from linebacker to fullback so you have to know when that switch is if the operations is bad and that timing is wrong and the punter is taking an extra half a second and I've already switched to playing defense, I'm not blocking anymore. They're still playing defense. And now everybody's playing defense except the punter, which is not very good for the punter. So like, I think one of the things that the special teams coach hopefully will be able to get across to Tyler Perkins is bud, it has got to be faster.
1: It's also in the long snapper though. The long snapper should be able to deliver the ball where when Perkins is catching it, it laces up. And so if, if he's living the ball where the laces are anywhere, but up then Perkins has to,
0: you know, why does that matter? Why does it matter? Laces down, laces up Dan. You, 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 hey, Ace. you, don't, why want, does this you matter? don't want
1: to kick the laces because that's, that's not, a, that's not a flat part of the ball. So it could, you know, it could hit the, the part of your foot. That's going to make it, you know, that that's sometimes where you see shanks. Sometimes we see miss hits, same thing on, on, on kicks too. You know, people don't, don't realize on field goals that it's, it's a three person operation. So if the snap is bad, where if Perkins isn't catching it, where the laces are essentially, you know, away from the kicker. And if he puts it down, if he misses his spot, that's going to throw off the kicker. And so it's a three-person operation, but of course the kicker is the one that, you know, and that's, 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 that comes with the territory, it comes with the position, that you're, you're the one that is, is kicking the ball. So you just have to rely on your, your snapper and your holder to do their jobs. But if one of those is off, people aren't going to see, oh, the snap was bad, that laces were out, or they might, I guess. But people aren't going to see the, the, the minuscule miss if, if the punter doesn't put the ball down right where it's supposed to be. That, that could that could cause a lot
0: who was your holder when you were there Brantner?
1: um no derek schmigdahl
0: oh schmig was <laughs> linebacker linebacker with a neck roll was holder i don't remember schmig being a oh uh, my god
1: it, short story freshman year unlv um i i made like a pat that tied the game and we went to overtime and he was always like he'd always hit me in the back of the helmet like great kick UNLV, he was so fired up. Like he hit me and I started to see stars. And I was like, dude, I was like, you're a linebacker. I'm 145 pound true freshman kicker. Y- you can't hit me that hard, man. I was like, like just... I saw stars. And so from then on, he, he,
0: yeah. Much more gentle. Yeah,
1: so Smig- Smigdahl, um, freshman year, I think, I don't think sophomore, um, Dan Keel, sophomore, junior year, and then uh, Brett Bucher, senior year.
0: Okay, and Bucher was the do everything, special teams, snap, hold, work in the nutrition office. Mm-hmm power lift i think he gained 50 pounds and lost 40 pounds or like 40 pounds the course of his college career which is absolutely impressive lived in the the gym well he was a became a offensive or a a ga a strength ga by the time he was actually done yeah um the other thing so like with like why why are okay kickoff coverage within kickoff coverage iowa state has been fine as the best as i can recall has been fine in the past couple years What is, why is there an art and what, why sometimes is the kicker who's doing field goals, not the one that's doing the kickoffs? Is there a mechanical difference between the two? Just like, this is more like as a a side note, as people are coming in, because I don't think Perkins does kickoffs. I think that's somebody else who's doing the kickoffs, I think. Uh, And we'll see what's going into the, or, uh, um, uh,
1: Shackle, I think Shackleford did some of the kickoffs last. So why
0: is it? What's the? What is there a mechanical difference? And what's what? What is that mechanical difference? Yeah,
1: it's, it's a little different. And, and you know, with field goals, you're you're when you kick, you, when you swing through. You're you're landing on your your plant foot. Whereas kickoffs, you're essentially you're kicking, and you wanna. I was always told you wanna pretend like you're coming up and over a hurdle with your kick foot and land on your kick foot with your. If I'm right footed, so land with your right shoulder kind of down, like you're headed downfield and you're rolling down down downhill. Um, you wanna land, you know, two to three yards past the ball. Uh, another another thing that's a big difference between kickoff and field goal is kickoffs you want to really engage your quad so you roll your foot over more so you're kind of hitting the ball more on the top of your foot whereas a field goal you're hitting it more on the side of your foot kind of a big bone on your foot. Um, so like a
0: pass in soccer, more.
1: A field goal would be more like a pass, yeah. Okay. Whereas like a um, a kickoff would be more like a shot. You sometimes see guys in soccer like on um, PKs, you know, they'll
0: just hammer one, just
1: hammer one, and but they'll they'll land on their kick foot and that's that's essentially what you're doing on a on a kickoff. So it's 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 more quad involved, um, which throughout the week you only want to hit you know eight kickoffs leading up to to the game because that's gonna tire out your quad.
0: Legit. There's, so what do you do during practice? You're only kicking you have eight kickoffs the entire freaking week. What do you do? Come on.
1: <laughs> I mean, so I mean, when I was there, we got there like an hour before everyone else you play the, punt all, golf all the other slappies would get out there
0: oh yeah you oh we're slappies you Seriously. guys are out there playing punt golf for we're, like the majority we're, we're, we of
1: practice did practice for freaking four hours basically so we're out there for an hour got all of our work done the first two three periods were special teams and then yeah we would dick around for a <laughs> <time>.
0: <laughs> for, for the last two and a half hours of practice no. did you guys have to okay i don't recall i would imagine you guys had to run when we had to run yes so,
1: so well yeah i mean we, we had to condition and stuff but we, we would we would do most of our stuff at the beginning of practice and then very rarely we would do stuff like in the middle of practice, like fire drill or whatever, two minute, two minute uh, warning, and then two minute drill, and then and then at the end of practice, usually they'd do a, which sucked because you're sitting around practice getting cold all you know, for two hours.
0: That's I'm so sorry for you. But I, I, <laughs> I'm so sorry for that experience. <laughs> but
1: it, in in between, you know, the beginning and the end of practice, I would I, I personally would I would catch for the quarterbacks, I would snap for the quarterbacks, and then there would be some days, yeah, we'd go inside and play golf. So we you know in the end zone it says Iowa State, so the O in Iowa, and then Cyclones, the O in Cyclones, we would. We would punt and, and play golf. <laughs> uh,
0: was, were, was Kirby the best at that Brantner, or who was the best at punt golf?
1: We, we all had our day. Guyer was really good.
0: Okay. I believe it. Yeah. I believe it.
1: We, we, we all kind of had our days because punters would, would hit the ceiling so often because they had good form. Whereas like me and Zach would just hit Zach would hit low, just absolute just piss missiles. They're they good spirals. <laughs> whereas I would hit them like they in the neighbor's roll. Um, yeah, I would, I would say probably Geyer was probably the best at that. But yeah. we, we, we didn't do I mean, we, we also did like dry runs. You know, we do dry runs. Or, or you, you know, we had a, one of the coaches, I'm not going to name names, wanted us to do, because he should have been coaching us.
0: Okay. Uh, okay.
1: Um, he wanted us to do like um, mark off your steps so make sure your steps are consistent. So he he bought like 100 golf tees and was like, okay, put a golf tee here. And then when you take three steps back, put a golf tee at your heel. And then take your steps or put a golf tee at your heel. And like, I, I suppose that was relevant but a lot of the stuff was like he then put golf whiffle balls on the tee and like no nah, that's not the it's not the correct <laughs> sweet spot if you will for the football so this is kind of, okay. a, kind of a dumb drill but i'll
0: do it yeah, what else am i gonna do yeah. stand around for a while
1: a lot of mental reps
0: a lot of mental oh yeah a lot of mental reps that
1: was huge for me my, my, my freshman year um jay bulware was the i don't think you were in the, yeah you were on the team i would Jay, no. jay
0: bulware was because you weren't there with chiswick no i would not have been
1: jay bulware great coach best special teams coach i had um he did a really good job putting us in high-pressure situations. I mean, he would at the end of practice, he would have everyone around us. I remember Leonard Johnson would, would was kicking grass at me, saying all kinds of stuff you shouldn't be saying to someone.
0: And I think well, Leonard Johnson was a notoriously great shit talker. Yeah, he sure a notoriously great shit talker. Yeah. Anyway, but, but
1: Bull were prepared us for for high-pressure situations, and I I really felt at ease, uh, you know, my freshman year probably, probably more than I want to say my senior year because at that point I was like, you know, I've done this a hundred times, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but no, Boer did a great job of preparing all the specialists. And he, he didn't really care. He's like, you know, go out and do your job. But he was really big on the day before games. He's like, he's like mentally prepared. He's like, do mental reps, hit 10, 10 field goals, 10 PATs. If you miss one, go back and, and redo it. So you have 10. It's like shooting
0: free throws. Yeah. Basically.
1: Yeah, it really, it really is.
0: So, this, this podcast isn't all going to be about special teams operations, but I did want to actually clear the air because there is some expertise. Okay. Some. I'm out of here then. All right, well, cool. Thanks, guys. That's, uh, that's the end of kicking it. Um, no, so the other thing that we're going to end up doing with this show, uh, talk about hard transitions, uh, is there actually is the, the nice thing is Grant and I have experienced at least a decent amount. And what's funny, you know, I mentioned at the top that we're going to talk at least a little bit about realignment. You and I were both present for all of the Big 12 missile crisis in both the round one and round two and we were talking about it beforehand. The, I didn't remember half of the stuff that actually was going on. I don't know if it was like blocked it out, like didn't recall, or just wasn't paying attention at the time, but the Colorado coming back to the big 12, I don't know what your thoughts are. That to me feels like an absolute sleeping giant waiting because that was my one of my favorite stadiums to play at. I don't know if it was was yours.
1: It, it was for me just because I love Boulder. I've got family there. So it was, okay. it was memorable, memorable to go there as well, but it's also, super scenic, you know, it's tucked in the mountains there and it's, it's just, yeah, it's a great place to play. And being out there, I don't know if you even saw Ralphie run around cause yeah, we were out yeah. there before the game. So seeing Ralphie run around.
0: Big ass Buffalo, Yeah, it's, great. it's literally a big ass Buffalo. I, he didn't know it was a, it was a sooner. One of the sooner horses pooped. Oh, I think at one of our games That's What you want? and they would do <laughs> a little sh- sooner schooner or whatever. I think one of them shit on the field. Mm. So I don't know. There wasn't Ralphie. The times you gotta go. You gotta go. <laughs> it's a natural grass field, I guess, at least it was at the time. Um, but I think one of the things that when I was, so when we were talking about it, it's like, I didn't, I didn't realize how much was going on. So I think we both kind of did at least a little bit of recap. So again, going to reference back to the other shows in the, the Cyclone podcast network, which is Chris and Brent are really good because they live in the actual media rights world. Like they've done it before. So they have a better idea of what's going on. But one of the things that, for some people you might either. I mean, if I forgotten, we were there, like we were at some point thought we were going to be in the conference USA. Like I legitimately thought we were going to go to the conference USA at some point, somewhere around 2011. And I was trying to go back and like piece together what was going on. So as a recap, like actually doing research for what was going on. So sorry, Jared, this is first time I've done research in the history of me doing a podcast. Um, it's a grand effect. <laughs> it's a grand effect. I know I have to hold, hold you for this entire show. Um, so one of the things that, like, when it started, I didn't realize how much Dan Beebe had to do with keeping the league from absolutely just crumbling.
1: Dude got shit on, but he was a visionary.
0: Unbelievable. Unreal. Like, with, so,
1: without him, we wouldn't have a Big 12. I'm so convinced of that.
0: There is, there, here's a quote, uh, which you sent earlier, as we were kind of prepping for this. There's a quote from Dan Beebe in 2010, right when this is starting to on, which is, a, he sent this to dan Beebe, the former commissioner of the big 12 this is back again 2010 i, th- I don't remember when he got hired for the job but he was this is pre-2010 he wrote a, a collateral consideration for all of us as national leaders in intercollegiate athletics is the creation of a few mega conferences may result in more governmental legal and public scrutiny pressure to compete may ri- may may rise with resulting higher salaries and more churning of ads and coaches Clear identification of the highest level of intercollegiate athletics reduced to a small grouping, e.g. four 16-member conferences, could cause eventual tax consequences and tremendous pressure to pay these student-athletes responsible in programs driving the most revenue and pressure and whose coaches and administrators are receiving more and more financial rewards. This dude wrote that 13 years ago, talking about four 16-member conferences and tremendous pressure, pressure to pay players.
1: Still applicable in 2023.
0: Still applicable right now uh, that legal pressure to pay players is currently existing. And I think that's one thing that Brent was, uh, is trying to work with is like understanding when there is going to be stuff co- put, come to, coming down from Congress, whether or not you actually can pay players and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. And that all started back in 2010.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, doing some of the research too, I, I had forgotten when Northwestern, you know, wanted to unionize and like the whole, you know, o- Oban versus NCAA, like
0: you get paid from that by the way. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Solid thirty eight hundred bucks. Yeah. I was an impact player in two thousand thirteen.
1: Yeah, I can't remember how much I got, but it was it was a nice, yeah, nice. Surprise. I mean, especially
0: when you are like twenty three, and you get a three thousand dollars check in the mail. That was nice. Yeah,
1: really not necessary. Really. <laughs> I, didn't that. I didn't need that money, but thank you so much. Yeah,
0: I I appreciate that. it. Um, so the the oh, okay, thanks, Connor. Uh, oh, yeah. Connor just texted uh, Dan Beebe promoted to commissioner in September fifth, two thousand seven. So between two thousand seven, two thousand ten is when he was actually the commissioner so uh to recap where we are how we got to this point because we were there through these various like little timelines so how we got to colorado coming back to the big 12 because this is actually my first time on a microphone since that happening so we can get to like the thoughts of what that looks like or what the big 12 is going to look like or what's going to happen or or whatever but how we got here so in 2010 uh, or Nebraska jumped for the big 10 and Colorado jumped for the pac 12 in summer of 2010. Their last season was 10 11 when the big 12 then dropped from 12 teams down to 10 teams. Uh, Dan BB solidified the league V equal second tier rights, which previously hadn't happened. Nebraska, Oklahoma, Texas, and Texas A and M previously had higher second tier rights, which is just, uh, like cyclones.tv is the first tier Fox, big Fox is first tier. And then like your Fox sports Midwest, like that's your second tier rights. And so those are even across the way, but then gave the third tier rights back to the universities, which is where Cyclones.TV was ha- happened. And then that little Lucifer, of the Longhorn Network was born in that renegotiation after Nebraska and Colorado left.
1: And the Longhorn Network came about because the Pac-12 was like inches away from pulling Texas away.
0: And Dan Beebe needed to, some way to get to appease Texas to actually get them back and to commit back to the conference. Because as because Nebraska and Colorado, Nebraska was at that time, one of if, I mean, Texas is the biggest brand, but between Nebraska and Oklahoma, they were probably the next biggest. So like that is, I mean, losing a substantial, it's the USC and UCLA leaving to go to the big 10. It's the same situation where you have a huge market that is going to be pulled out. And Texas then goes, wait, we lose one of our, uh, biggest name rivals in nebraska and then also colorado is going to be gone which has a history and you lose the westernmost part of your conference texas and oklahoma and texas a&m and mizzou had sort of started shopping their way around so bb had to essentially somehow manage to get them back the longhorn network was a concession to be able to keep texas in the conference after that because longhorn network was around and texas a&m didn't get to have the aggie network with espn a&M. Start start pouting. AM started pouting because they hate being little brother. Sorry, guys. A, well, <laughs> I want this. So AM then left in August of 2011. Their last season was 11 12. I remember in 2010. So I was there 0, 09 to 13. You were there 0, 08 to 11. Uh, I remember in 2000, like the 2010 one when Nebraska left, I was just like, what the? What? Really? Like it was more confused than anything. And then in 2000, in August 2011 is when AM left. And then in October of 2011, TCU in West Virginia got brought in, but Mizzou left as well. So, like, I remember between August of with AM leaving and October when they brought on TCU in West Virginia, I legitimately thought, and I remember we were out at practice at the just the north of where the or south of where the indoor is, whatever that practice field is, not the field of dreams. Johnny Majors. Johnny Majors. So, we we're at Johnny Majors, and I remember we had Coach Rhodes came in, and then it was Tom Croshell who was the SID at a time came in and essentially was talking about like sports media rights to a group of like 18 to 22 year olds and understanding it like, Hey, we're going to have a football team and we're not sure where we're going to be playing. Uh, Do you, do you, did I make that up or do you remember that at all?
1: Uh, yeah, I remember him. I remember Crochelle coming and talking to us and me being like, (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) Okay. So who's in the league next year then Tom, are we, where are we going to be? Are we going to be in the big 12 or are we going to bring in new people? Like what's going on, Tom? And he was like, Oh, I don't really know but.
0: Well, just stay calm. And that was, yeah, stay calm. And so that was in the 2011 season. And so like I said, October of 2011, Bob Bowlesby, who had just gotten hired at the time. So when AM left, that's what got BB fired. Bolsby comes in two months later, Mizzou leaves, but he manages to get West Virginia and TCU. in. so by the time between 2000, uh, what was it? August of 2010 and October of 2011, the Nebraska and Colorado had left and longhorn network had gotten born a and left for the sec mizzou had left for the sec tcu from the mountain west came into the big 12 and west virginia from the big east came into the big 12. there was a chance at that time that west virginia wasn't even going to make it in the conference because the big east was going to potentially try and hold their feet to the fire and force them to pay a substantial exit fee from the big east but managed to get everything back together so that missile crisis in that moment at that time larry scott was the commissioner of the Pac-12. They didn't think that there was enough addition for anyone other than Texas and Oklahoma to be able to come to the Pac-12, and the Longhorn Network kept Texas around enough. But at that point, Larry Scott didn't bring anyone on from the Big 12, which is, at this point, looks like a really stupid move. So from there, fast forward to July of 2021, Texas and Oklahoma, and so from October 2011 to july of 2021 the big 12 is more or less the same it is on fairly even footing except texas is just trying to be a big swinging dick and trying to control everything when they when you know from that point
1: i, th- I think a lot of that is because of the, the tv rights that, that bb had set in place too why there why there hasn't been much movement really until recently
0: because he knew, managed at some point i i recall that so there was uh at some point in there bb negotiate extended the tv negotiation out until 2025. Yep. it was supposed to expire i think in 2016 or in 2020, and then they re some year in between there, but extended or got an extension of the grant of rights, or of the TV contract until 2025. So fast forward to July of 2021, Texas and Oklahoma decide to leave for the SEC. Bob Bowlsby at that point, holds their feet to the fire with because each of them had a $100 million buyout if they were to have to leave that year, they wanted to leave that year. But the grant of rights were guaranteed with the conference, meaning a grant of rights is you as Texas, give me the big 12 the rights to broadcast your games. So if you play a game, you can't show it because I have your rights to actually show that game. So if they were to leave early, the Big 12 wasn't going to release them from the grant of rights unless they paid $100 million. So if they decided to leave anyway, all those broadcast games that Texas is on either couldn't be shown or would be shown and the profit would come to the Big 12. So at that point, Bowlesby essentially threatens legal action to keep them in the conference. And then in June of 2022, uh, the big 12 announced the addition of new schools in July of 2022, Brett, Yormark gets hired. And at the same month, you USC and UCLA bolt to go to the big 10.
1: Everyone's heads are falling at this point and everyone's like, what's going on?
0: Yes. So the PAC 12 is now sort of on unstable footing because they had,
1: which in my opinion, so the first time around the big East kind of got raided and gone. Big yeah. East is no more football. I think that's what's going to happen to the PAC 12 here. I think PAC 12 is going to go away. And, you know, I I think we're going to get another team and, and, you know, Chris had mentioned this in another podcast that Arizona might be next. And then I think Washington, Oregon might be the next ones. And then from there, it's like this is such a watered down Pac-12. What happens? Do they do they then join the Mountain West? Do they try to bring in some teams from the Mountain West and let the the Mountain West and, you know, other teams out there kind of other conferences out there kind of dissolve and make like a a watered down Pac-12? At that point, are you then still a, a, a power five?
0: So to, to finish where we are, because that makes that actually kind of is the next point after that. So in July of 2022, your mark was hired and UCLA, USC and UCLA bolt to go to the big 10. So at this point, the PAC 12 now has a contract expiring in 2024, a media rights contract expiring 2020 2024, 20, 20, without their biggest draw. So if you're trying to renegotiate, if you're the PAC 12, it would be like if Texas and Oklahoma left and you didn't replace them with anyone. You're trying to negotiate with a smaller pool, your mark. And so in June of 2023, uh, your mark finishes negotiations for a new TV deal two years early because the big 12s wasn't supposed to be done until 2025. The Pac 12s was supposed to be in 2024. Now a, a while back and they've talked about, Chris and Brent have talked about how important it was that that TV got TV deal got done. It wouldn't be that big of a deal had USC and UCLA not left because the numbers would probably be fairly comparable. And if you get a deal early for $31 million and the Pac-12 gets a deal for 29 and a half, most schools are gonna be like, that's good enough because the cost of leaving is going to be substantial. And the cost for staying is, you know, I give a million and a half a year, big deal. But because USC and UCLA are gone and the big 12 set the number, that becomes the thing that all the Pac-12 schools start looking at because they say, I could have that. The Big Ten's already got, you know, $100 million or whatever. The SEC's got $100 million. And the Big 12 has interest in another school and says, hey, you can come with us and make this. Essentially, it's setting the bar. So by getting that deal done early, it'll, it forces the Pac-12 to meet that number. And if they don't meet that number, then all the member schools then go, wait, why are we with this? Side notes, which I don't know, I've, I had forgotten about in the time that between the time pac-12 signed their deal and when it was going to expire in 2024 uh, (laughs) the pac-12 headquarters thing that happened in san francisco they overpaid and overbilled and each school had to actually pay back five million dollars to the conference because they overpaid for it they wasted five million there was another time when larry scott uh thought that they like they got an invoice the the contract between comcast the amount of money that comcast had given them was $5 million per school too high. So after that $5 million was too high, it's you only just get to keep that. That's not how a contract works. So they had to give that money back. That was years later that they actually had to give that back. So each school then had to give an additional $5 million. So at that point, if you heard of the, the at some point Washington state had to have a complete hiring freeze and could not spend anything, it's because the PAC 12 mishandled money to the tune of $10 million ish per school. So you have your mark getting in early with a TV deal saying this is the bar that you could you have to be measured against USC and UCLA leaving the conference and essentially not having their biggest negotiating chips for TV contracts and the Pac-12 being kind of shitty with money. So you add all those things together and Colorado then looks at that and goes Big 12s in a better situation. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. So the Colorado comes back. So bringing back to like what happens going forward, one of the things that is also going on at the same time. So Disney just let go, uh, Disney, which owns ESPN, just let go of a ton of ESPN on-air talent. And I think one of the things they're trying to de-invest at least a little bit from sports media rights because it's really expensive. So the other parties at the table, and I hate the term stakeholders, but the stakeholders in these negotiations are the TV contracts or the TV companies, ESPN, Fox, NBC, CBS, whatever, because they're the ones that are going to be broadcasting the games and they are buying this product for, million a school, they then have to, they're counting on the fact that by putting this on TV, they will make more than that in advertising revenue or sponsorships or whatever per school to do that. So you're essentially paying ESPN is paying the, the schools through the conferences for the rights to broadcast their games. So if you're Oregon and Washington and Arizona, which seem like the, the likely candidates to come over here, ESPN probably doesn't want them to come over because if you're re- if you're ESPN and you're renegotiating with the Pac-12 and you're going to set that number at $20 million instead of $31 million, Oregon's games in the Big Ten, or excuse me, in the Big 12 would cost you $31 million a year. Oregon's games in the Pac-12 cost you $20 million a year. They just de-invested from ESPN. So my guess is that ESPN is saying, we want you to have one more We'd be cool with you having one more because there's a natural partner for Colorado if you get one of those other ones, which is why Arizona feels like the most natural addition, is you have a a natural partner with Arizona and Colorado, BYU, Texas Tech, the Western kind of Southwest stuff. Uh, But if you were to add more, that now costs us more money. So ESPN is probably going to encourage them to get one more and stop. Unless the universities are that adamant of getting out of the Pac-12, in which case Oregon and Washington feel like they would be the ones that would want to get out because they are the last big chips for this. So I don't know, like, to me, it feels like Arizona would be the next step. And I don't have any in, in, inside information more than the fact that I think that there has been substantial expressed interest from Arizona to get to the big 12. It's just a matter of numbers. So at this point, that's why we are where we are coming into this season.
1: I've also heard that if Arizona doesn't, and I mean, takes with a grain, of salt. I offered that if arizona doesn't join then your mark's gonna pivot and go to yukon
0: what are your thoughts on that uh,
1: they broke size arm so i want revenge. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i i think it was zane i think that was the guy's name he was our trainer yeah yeah
1: I pushed him down the stairs and yeah, they're like, talking smack at my grandma at the game like who does that who talks smack to an 80 year old woman you know i
0: don't know you probably did yeah
1: no i wouldn't do that so <laughs> I would welcome UConn back. I mean, they suck at football. They're great at basketball. I mean, we're, we're already at you know, the best basketball conference in the in the country, so it'd be nice to have another doormat to beat up on in football.
0: Because their Kansas doesn't suck anymore. No, they don't. So, so You need somebody to be. Really I'm not bad. convinced
1: by Colorado. I'm not. Convinced I, so this. By, so by, so by Colorado.
0: COVID-19. That's interesting. So right now, so my thoughts on Colorado. If Colorado comes to the conference in ten years with the right coach, they will be one of the top three programs in the conference.
1: I don't agree with that
0: with the right coach is prime, the right coach. The reason why I say that is so it's the, it is the only power five school in a state of 6 million that generally tends to produce lots of talent. So if they are, they are the natural path to the NFL. If you're a kid that lives in Denver, if you're a kid that lives in Colorado Springs or wherever. So with the right coach and that campus is gorgeous, the facilities, I mean, the inside could use a little bit of work, but like great academic school, great state, great stadium, whatever. If, If they have the right coach, to pull all of it together, I'd go to Colorado, and it's just a matter of do they have someone to do it? And so if they do, top three program in the conference.
1: Well, and and Dion's such—I mean, he surrounded himself with with really good coaches, so he may may not even need to coach. He may just need to be the, the, the face of the of the program, and then let the offense coordinator, defense coordinator, you know, do their thing. And he's basically the recruiter of I'm I'm Dion. I'm Prime. You know, I can get you to league. I know when, you know what it takes. And I mean, he has. Since he has been brought on, they have, they have generated so much revenue in that athletic department. I, we were just out in Boulder a couple of weeks ago. There are prime sweatshirts, shirts, memorabilia, apparel all over. People were in it all over, and I don't get that. I wouldn't see Coach row. I mean, I wouldn't. No offense, <laughs> to Coach Campbell, but I, I don't know if I would wear a you know a Coach Campbell shirt. But that's all that that's all we saw out there. So he has just reinvigorated that that fan base. They sold out their spring game,
0: which is probably the first time that's happened since what. Cordell Stewart?
1: I don't know if they ever have. I mean, yeah, I would say probably then, if, if at all. But I mean, there there's a lot of hype around there. I'm just, I'm not convinced that, I'm not convinced that he's the right coach.
0: And um, insane. And I think there is some of the stuff that you, like, you're turning over a whole roster. And I think when you're turning over an entire roster, I would imagine with a good amount of NIL deals, and I, I wouldn't, I don't know how, NIL deals for a second. Would you care that much if uh, while we were there, Arnod made more money in NIL deals than you. Would you care?
1: No, because he's the quarterback and I'm a kicker.
0: Right. Uh, would you care if, I don't know, uh, Jake Latimer or Chris Lyle made more money than you? Yes. <laughs> you don't think Jake Latimer could advertise for Bushlight Light in a second?
1: Yeah, he could.
0: Yeah. Those are defense events for those, I mean, deep pulls. Jake Latimer is one of the craziest people I've ever met. I don't know. What, what's he doing now? Jake, if I you're listening. I
1: think, a, I think he's a, I think he might be a gym teacher in Kansas. Gym Jake, teacher and a football coach in Kansas.
0: Love you, buddy. If you're, if you're listening. Uh, also remember, he was the uh, the only person that I've ever seen knock someone else out. Oh, two people. Two people have knocked, that have knocked someone out in a practice. One of, Jake Latimer's one. Quentin Pompey was the other. Who did he knock out? Albert. Oh. I don't know if it was knocked out, but like cold cocked. So, were you there when that happened?
1: I it was during mat drills. I was probably off playing golf. So,
0: oh, what a dick. So, <laughs> it was during conditioning. So, like, this is the best that I can. I was can definitely re- playing golf then. I didn't see it happen. This is, I heard the reaction of what was happening. So, uh, mat drills were, it's a in a conditioning thing. You only have to get two to five, somewhere, maybe six on the high end, perfect reps. And Yancey McKnight, the strength coach, and Clayton Oyster, the assistant strength coach, were the guys who were running it. And, uh, EA who's now the head guy at Tulsa, I think yes. Yes. so head guy at Tulsa. Uh, they were, those are the guys that were running it. And so everybody, you have to get two perfect reps. What that means is every single person on the team has to execute the rep without a mistake and without fall or without a uh, failure of effort. So you're standing with your toes in the white line, not in front, not behind your toes are in the white line in the end zone. There is a strength coach at the five. I think usually that was EA that was at the five and you would have to, they would blow the whistle or call you do a somersault in. And then once you get a somersault, in, you get up to the five yard line, kind of chopping your feet, waiting for them to give you a cadence. They would give you an instruction as to what that, what, what was happening at the five yard line. So it was like a seat roll, which is going to roll to your butt. And then you stand back up and you chop your feet or it's just straight side shuffle. Like you're playing defense and basketball. And he would point to his left and you'd have to go the direction that he's pointing until he tells you to turn around. And if you don't go hard enough, And that would count as a ding count as a negative. If you stop too soon, then that would count as a ding. If you didn't react fast enough, that would count as a ding. So you'd go one direction, go the other direction, one direction, go the other direction, they would then he'd point behind you and blow his blow the whistle or say out or something like that. You do another somersault, you get up to the 15 yard line, you get up 15 yard line, next strength coach is waiting. And in the time that the second, the first group is on the five and they do a somersault to get to the 15, that's the call to get the next group out to the five. And so you're going zero goal line, five yard line, 15 yard line at the 15 yard line. It's just kind of chopping your feet, blow the whistle. You do an up, down sprint through the 25, yard, 25 yard line. And you're really sprinting through the 30. Like the line is the 25. You don't screw that up. Everybody on the team just has to do that perfectly twice.
1: Which sounds easy.
0: Sounds easy, right? That's not too hard. Uh, what happens is if you make one mistake, that's fine. Like, and honestly, if it's like one of those where you're point, they're pointing to the left and you go to the left and then you go to cut and like you slip and your hand comes down and they call you a ding for that. Like that's just an execution mistake. That's not an effort mistake. No, one's really all that mad. They're like, ah, damn it. You know, freaking Lichtenberg or whatever, like they would something like that. But then you wouldn't be too mad about it. The ones that really chat people's ass are the effort ones
1: or the ones that go left and you should go right. And, <laughs> and you then you run into each
0: other, other you know? especially on the seat rolls and you run, you oh, smack shoulders or heads. heads yeah. Uh So, Albert at that point, which hilarious guy, uh, at the time, kind of a turd, uh, as far as efforts concerned, uh, went to go do the mat drills. Didn't finish. Got him a ding. And at that point, you got a bullseye on your back. Like you get called for lack of effort. Every strength coach is looking at you to finish. He gets called for another lack of effort. And at that point you get two lack of efforts in a row. And none of those count. You have to get two perfect right now. We're at zero
1: at this point. The whole team's like, okay, at this point, what are you like, doing?
0: come on, buddy. And, uh, does it goes to do it again and i actually th- i think after the second one people are like chirping back at him being like hey all oh you yeah, just run like all you have to do is try a little bit harder for the the last 10 yards goes to do it again i think latimer was chirping back and forth and being like just finish albert starts to chirp back to latimer as we're sort of milling around in between reps latimer just cold cocks him. uh albert goes down i don't know if it was knocked out or not uh,
1: <laughs> i do remember this yeah
0: at that point It's not our most gracious moment, but it was sort of just drag him out of the way so the rest of us can finish the rest of the reps. And the trainers were attending to to Albert and we were finishing up and no one was really that mad that that happened. So I think we're past the statute of limitations on that. So yes, that was one of, I don't know, random Jake Latimer tangent, but absolute crazy mofo. And he's hands like sledgehammers.
1: So yes, I would be upset if he made more NIL than I did. Yes. I did not knock anybody out in practice.
0: Well, he did. He was tougher than you. Great hair. Yeah, great hair. Yeah. So uh upcoming this next couple of weeks, we're gonna be recording these on Mondays. We've got to figure out the exact time. So that's gonna be posted Monday night or Tuesday morning, depending on when uh, producer Aiden has got his time availability because he's a college student who has to do stuff. Um, so as the season gets closer, we're gonna be able to actually talk a little bit more football and a little bit less conference realignment, a little bit less kicking mechanics. Hopefully pray, I pray to Jesus we don't have to talk kicking mechanics too if much or in the not, That's probably a good thing. Yeah, I don't think I don't wanna want to talk too much on kicking mechanics. That's fine, That's fine with me. Got anything else for the good of the cause?
1: I don't. I'm looking forward to this man, it should be
0: fun. So welcome to the first episode of Kicking It with Woody and Gmo. Thanks for stopping in everybody.